Welcome to Real Estate Experts. Join us to democratize the secrets to real estate for everyone, everywhere. Thank you for being here. Let's see what our experts have to say today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of realestateexperts.org. And I'm so grateful today because, you know, I'm by no means an expert, but I've got Voltaire uh, ten, <clears throat> Tenwell. Is it? Is it? Lepe Tenwell. Yeah, Lepe Tenwell. Lepe Tenwell. I'm sorry, man. But I'm so excited today because I've got an expert right here. It's Lepe Tenwell. He's in San Diego. He's got 18 years of experience in real estate, you know, from commercial real estate, property management, uh, residential. You now have your own brokerage. You're managing an incredible team. Uh, Lepe, thank you so much for making the time to be here today. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Voltaire Lepe. I'm with Lepe Tenwell Properties. I'm top 1% agent in San Diego County, um, ranked number 34th as far as units sold in San Diego out of 21,000 agents. Uh, so, yeah, so we're doing our thing down here, man. Thanks for having us. Dude, you know, massive move, movement you guys are doing in terms of transaction volume there. I mean, what do you uh, attribute your uh, success to? Um, just a schedule. That's it, man. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I have a schedule and I follow it. And, and that's pretty much, you know, 99% of agents, well, let's say 80% of agents, real estate agents fail. They have to close their doors um, within the first five years. And that's attributed to not having a plan uh, or a calendar or a schedule, however you want to call it. And, uh, or they have one and they just don't follow it. They don't do the work. So um, that's it, man. There, there ain't no uh, real secrets, but um, you know, we just work hard. I love that, man. I mean, you know, that's right. I mean, there are no real secrets. The secret is to just work hard, to be disciplined, to show up every single day and, and to drive it. Um, but I mean, discipline's not easy and, and work's not easy. You got to like have something that drives you, fuels you for it. I mean, what inspired you uh, to get into real estate and, and hustle so hard for 18 years? Yeah. I mean, what inspired me originally was the money, you know, I, uh, that's what it was. I was like, I was, I was in high school, I started working at a real estate company uh, because my teacher made everybody uh, work somewhere. And, uh, and then I saw that they're just making like a bunch of cash, like literally cash. They would have cash towards. And I was like, Oh shoot, like there's a lot of money in here. So um, I got into real estate, started making money. And yeah, after a while you just get burnt out, man, you get burnt out, even though you, you're making your clocking dough. Um, you know, you're not happy and, you know, you just don't know why, but, um, but then, you know, I, I kind of figured out that I could do good in the world, in my community with money. So I started giving back to my community. I started giving money, started volunteering, you know, I started teaching others. Once I started teaching others, you know, I, that gave me satisfaction that, you know, other agents in the county that do good business would come up to me like, oh, I learned this from you. I learned that from you. And uh, so that, you know, kept me going. And now it's just uh, what's keeping me going is just being able to help my team mates, uh, my family and, and my, my, my clients grow their net worth. So that's kind of uh, what's still keeping me around. I, lo I love that, man. I mean, uh, I, thank you for being candid. I mean, it was the money that brought you into real estate, but, but certainly, I mean, uh, you know, money is not enough. And it sounds like you've kind of gone through like a discovery process and, 
and are now using your superpowers, both in form of real estate education and in the form of like money and giving back. And I mean, as a broker, I mean, I was pretty surprised to see like the MVP giveaway that you're doing and the other Christmas right. giveaways um, that you're running via the live stream. I thought that was awesome, man. I mean, yeah. what else you guys got going on, uh, you know, uh, for that? Yeah, you know, we're always trying to just be creative and we're always trying to uh, show love to our clients. Actually, one, one client came in about an hour ago from that event that was online and she won and she says, I'm here for my prize. I'm like, what you win? You know, I forgot. We give out so many prizes. Like, what you win? She goes, $100. I'm like, ooh. And then when to go to the back, we had her $100 waiting uh, for her. Um, and she was excited. And, you know, I'm just glad that she jumped on and stayed online for two hours and just kind of enjoyed the event. So, uh, yeah, we do multiple events for our clients. Uh, we show a lot of love because our clients, you know, really make us. And, uh, yeah, so we always want to be thankful, man. We count our blessings every single day. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, grateful that we're in real estate and industry that has not been as impacted by the pandemic globally. I mean, business is still open. Yep. Yep. And, and, and you feel that gratitude, man. I saw you handing over like a $5,000 check to a nonprofit or to a local school. I mean, that is, uh, that is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, we've been doing that for uh, for a long time, maybe seven years, just giving away to uh, local schools, local charities. Um, you know, the goal is just to try to give as much money that will benefit others. You know, we sponsored a kid for an entire year at a private school. Nice. Um, you know, we're we're uh, we're looking to him for big things down the road. You know, he's barely like in seventh grade, but you know, um, I'm sure he'll make us proud. Amen to that. And, you know, um, I'm inspired by folks that give back because I think what it does is it, it inspires the next generation to grow and then to put themselves in a position to continue to give back. And so uh, it sounds like you're kind of on that wavelength. And it's not just the money, man. It's not just the money to give back. It's also the time to uh, provide the education and to help the community. I hopped on your YouTube. You got like dozens of videos, like just on every step of the real estate process. I mean, what drives you to do stuff like that to, you know, be on this podcast and, and, and just try to share the education? Yeah, it's, it just comes down to, uh, you know, how you grow up, you know, I don't know how everybody else grew up, but I grew up, um, you know, people made me, meaning I had mentors, coaches, they taught me, they made me who I am today, whether it's, you know, the dude at the local park that would spend time with us showing, showing us how to shoot a jump shot um, to, um, you know, the teacher who, you know, spend time with me after school, show me how to write. Um, so it's like, you got to give back, man. You can't, you know, you got to, again, if, you, if you're counting your blessings, if you're, if you're grateful, um, I think you show that by just helping others, giving them game, gaming them up, show them what you know. Um, if they don't know how to tie your shoes, hey, this is how you tie your shoes. If you don't know how to make a million bucks, this is how you make a million bucks. Whatever the, whatever the, you can teach them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. And and uh, and I think uh, like that's so valuable. You know, I was just talking to another agent uh, the other day, and and uh, we were talking about like these different tips that we might be able to show in the podcast. And then he was like, "Wait, not those tips. Those are my tips. You know, that's my education." And I was really really surprised because um, you know, and I and I hear it more so on like, you know, this is how to make a million dollars. I built my business a million dollars, and I don't want to show other folks how to do it, but like, there's so much power in just like uh, being transparent, unlocking the doors and everything, opening the books and just being like, Hey, here you go. Um, 
And I'm curious, I want to ask you this question. Like when you started doing that, did something change in your business, in your community? Did you notice something uh, that wasn't there before? Um, when I started giving back? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anything changed, um, you know, where I can notice it from one day to another, but I definitely, um, in my mind, I was, I was personally happier. You know, I was personally happier. I did kind of start seeing people gravitate towards me. Um, I did uh, notice, you know, I remember the first time I kind of realized that there was like some type of uh, monetary gain from it. Uh, there goes your lights. Yeah. What's up? Oh, man, you forgot to pay the power. <laughs> All right, bro. Do your, All right. Do your thing. Oh, you got it? <clears throat> um, so... So yeah, the, the first time that I actually like really experienced like, like, oh shoot, like this actually in people's minds, it makes a difference was uh, a seller hired me. He was a real estate broker himself and he hired me over two other real estate brokers. And he said that the only difference was that uh, he knew that I gave back to the community. So uh, he figured that, you know, helping me, would allow me to help others and continue doing what I'm doing. So I thought that was pretty cool of him. Um, that was back in 2013 or 14, I think. Um, but other than that, man, yeah, I think my community has grown. You know, I think, you know, uh, people have shown me more love. And uh, of course, in turn, you know, I've, I've been showing them love too. So um, it's, a, it's a good feeling to be, you know, in this position. Amen. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, to be in the position to be able to give back and to also give back, I think is fulfilling. And, and uh, again, it doesn't just come down to money. It's also like give back in the form of your time, in the form of accepting others and educating folks. Um, um, one of the, uh, I don't know if you follow Gary Vee at all. Uh, or I yeah, I used to, <clears throat> like in 2015 or 16, I used to listen to his podcast Tough, you know, every single morning. Okay. Uh, but I haven't really listened to him in a few years now but but yeah he's he i mean he knows his shit yeah no for sure that's one of the things he talked about was uh the roi of giving i don't know if you've ever heard him say something like that or if you just thought of that concept i mean like <clears throat> I, i've heard that before i forgot who said it but yeah roi of giving okay, yeah. okay okay cool yeah i guess i just heard it from him you know it's probably going around you know for much yeah. longer but um i mean you shouldn't give for an expected ROI, but there is this unexpected ROI that I think comes from, from giving. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I've made more money than I've ever made before, you know, every year, including this year, um, since I've started giving, be, be more of a giver. My first years in the business, you know, it's like a roller coaster. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, what I've noticed is just more steadiness, more growth, so it might be attributed to that, you know, and I'm, I'm sure it is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like uh, the more you give, the more you receive. I mean, it's, it's, it comes from originally from, well, I don't know about originally, but I've, I've read it in the Bible before, you know, you, 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 uh, you uh, sow what you, or you reap what you sow, you know, so the more you give, you know, the more you receive, you know, and my, my basketball coach taught me that, you know, uh, yeah. you get you get out what you put in and that, putting in doesn't just mean work for yourself. Putting in means also work for others, work for the community and those around you. So. 
Amen with all of that, brother. Thank you for uh, emphasizing that. Let's dive into the real estate education stuff. Let's, you know, thank you for giving your time you know, to do this. Um, for sure. Where I want to start, you know, I love to learn about San Diego. For me in Las Vegas, uh, we're a town where we have 62% of folks that are renters. I mean, prices are going up and people are moving into our town and, and you know, the residents here are starting to become priced out of the uh, out of real estate prices. And, and it's an issue. It's a, you know, but, but it's not just Vegas. I mean, globally, you know, around the country, Home prices continue to go up, affordability is difficult, and, and, and the home ownership rate is lower now than it was in the 60s. And I'm curious why that's the case, but can you, can you speak to that? I mean, what have you seen in your community in, in um, California regarding uh, the home ownership rate and people's perception around that? Yeah, um, you know, what we've seen here in San Diego is, you know, I mean, right now there's like a huge, there's a 19% surge in demand from last year to this year, you know, interest rates have to do with it. Um, and demand, I mean, uh, inventory has something to do with it too. But I think, I mean, a lot of uh, the, the cool thing about like the society right now, is social media, there's so much information. And a lot of people are starting to learn like, oh, wow, real estate investing. Like before, when I was a kid, you learned that stuff through infomercials on TV, you know, where they're talking about like zero down and this is how you grow your net worth. And then, and then you start reading books like uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, uh, when I was a teenager, I read that. And I was like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I just learned the difference between asset and liability. And I learned the difference between, you know, owning real estate, not owning real estate. These are all concepts that maybe I had to go search out. But now you can't get away from it because you're scrolling on your phone. And... Yeah, you might have to search it, but a lot of times, I mean, it, it pops up from time to time, so you don't have to go searching that hard. So I think right now, uh, from what I see in San Diego, I see a lot of uh, buyers, uh, millennials looking to buy. I think they believe in real estate. I think what's stopping a lot of people from investing into real estate or buying real estate is just fear. Mm. And fear comes from lack of education. Yeah. So they just feel like, oh, shoot, like some like my friend just bought a $500,000 home. They're crazy. How are you going to pay off $500,000? Um, I can't afford that. I can't qualify for that. They just, again, they're uneducated. So then they become fearful. So whenever you're, you're fearful, like you just like kind of like push it out, right? You're just yeah. like, mm, no, um, you're not open-minded. So I think it starts with education. And I think it's super important for everyone, even if you're filled and you're not ready or you don't even, you're like, no, nah, I'm down the road. At least look into it. At least jump in and sit in into a one hour free Zoom workshop or something. You know what I'm saying? But, um, but yeah, I don't know what the percentages are as far as home ownership. Um, but I feel uh, that definitely there's, there's a lot of people that are, more educated on it than before, or at least they're, they, they, they have that idea where they say, okay, I know it's a good thing. So I think people do perceive it as a good thing. They just don't educate themselves. I love that, man. Thank you. You know, um, I love that because uh, it goes back to the mindset thing that you were talking about. Like a lot of folks, um, you know, it's just all myths, myths that are preventing people from getting involved in real estate. Um, I know it was basic and it's one-on-one, but the point of this is to, you know, get basic and one-on-one. So if you could please, uh, why don't you give us like just a quick brief, like what is an asset versus a liability and how does that tie into real estate and why that's important? 
Oh, so an asset is something that over time grows in value, right? Over time grows in value or produces some type of dividend or income. So for example, a house over time, 30 years from now, a piece of real estate is going to be worth more than it is today. That's just history. That's just how it's always been. Right. Um, and, uh, so that's an asset liability is something that decreases in value. So a liability could be like, for example, a car, a normal car, you know, like Honda Accord, you buy it today, 2020. And then in 2025, it's going to be worth less compared right. to, uh, a house, you know, a house five years from now, most likely it'll be worth more. But if it isn't, wait another five years, 10 years from now, it's going to be worth more where the Honda Civic, it just continues or the Honda Accord continues to decrease in value. So that's a liability. So that's the basics. That's the difference. So when it comes to real estate, when you're renting, you know, you, you don't have an asset that could potentially grow in appreciation. Okay grow in inflation mm -hmm. there's no principal pay down where you're paying down the, the principal loan so basically if you pay down to here then everything between here and depreciation or the inflation that's our profit right that's our equity so and when you rent a home you can't gain equity the average renter in the u.s their net worth is about four thousand dollars wow the average renter net worth across the u.s is about four thousand dollars that's insane. the average yeah, the average homeowner's net worth is about $150,000. Wow. So is a homeowner smarter than the renter? Is a homeowner uh, more educated? Is a homeowner, you know, that much better? No. But they own a piece of real estate, and that real estate holds most of their net worth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's um, yeah. Let's uh, go through a scenario because, you know, you're right. Like a homeowner is not smarter, not better, not any different than a renter, right? Except they, you know, they made a decision that put them on a totally different track. Um, and uh, and, and the, I just want to run through the example of the asset liability thing one more time. So like, let's just say I get lucky, like there's a downtown community here in Vegas and there's some houses that are a little bit run down, maybe a distressed side, right? You know, our average is 350. Maybe I could find a house there that's like closer to 200 or 250,000. Let's just say, um, um, you know, there's the renter option and then there's the buyer option, right? And so you're telling me the renter option, I go and I rent the house, you know, same house, 250000 and um, pay my rent, maybe my rent's $1,000 or $1,200 a month. And a year later, that's it. I have no asset. I have no equity in the home. I pretty much just rented. But if I was able to go through the steps, maybe you could teach me what those steps are. And I bought the house instead for $200,000. I have a debt of $200,000, but instead of paying 1200 in rent, I have 1200 in equity every month. So after the year, I should have like $14,000 in equity. Um, um, yeah, not, not, not quite, but you're on the right track. Okay. So most of your monthly payment is going to go towards interest that you owe on the property. Okay. So out of that $1,200 that you're making in payment, maybe 900 of it might go towards interest. Okay. And then the other 300 will go down to principal as an example. Yeah. Right. And then, and then every month it goes down 300, then 325, then 350, then $400 a month in, in, in principal pay down. So the, the issue or the reason why most people rent or think it's probably the better option for them who don't own is because they look at it on face value and they go, huh, I can rent for $900 in Vegas 
or I could own for 1200 Then they go, you know what? I'm just going to rent. It's cheaper. I'm saving money or I'm making money or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But what they don't do is they don't do the analysis that after five years to seven years, then all of a sudden there's a breaking even point where renting and homeownership costs exactly the same. And then every year past that, homeownership puts money in your pocket where you keep losing money on the rent, right? So on the surface level, it's cheaper. You're like, oh, it's $300 cheaper. I'm just going to go ahead and rent. Now, it's harder in places like San Diego or California to justify it for renters because renters are like, shoot, I can rent this place for $1,800 or 2000 bucks. If I buy it, my payment's going to be $3,000, $3,200. Okay. So, so they're looking at the big, huge difference. They're like, no, face value, like I got to be a fool to buy, right? Mm-hmm. But do the analysis. There's going to be that breaking point right around year five or year seven where all of a sudden it makes more sense if they would have just owned it, right? Because yeah. after five to seven years, guess what? Inflation, right? So, for example, the cost of goods is going to go up, right? Yeah. So you're going to have inflation on your side. You're going to have appreciation on your side. If the economy is going well and real estate market is going well, you have appreciation. Then you have principal pay down. And then on top of that, you have tax benefits of home ownership. So you're, you're making money in different angles, different ways. And guess what? If you multiply it, that's just your first home. But if you multiply that by 10 homes, right, or five homes. Too, and equity being built. Right. Yeah, you have equity built, built in all of them, appreciation, uh, through appreciation, through inflation, through tax deductions, okay, on all those properties combined, plus interest. You get a write off your interest on your taxes. Um, you have your depreciation that you could add and, and save money on taxes. And then on top of that, you have rents. And then you multiply it by 10 properties or five properties or two properties, however many you own. And then all of a sudden you're talking about real equity, real wealth, real money. Yeah. I love, well, Terry, I think that's so incredible, man. I have a question for you, but I just want to share this story because one of my friends yeah. is 30 years old and, um, you know, he was, um, you know, we went to college together and then he got a solar sales job and then he just hit the pavement real hard in the summer, made a hundred thousand dollars. He was like, Oh my God, I got all this money. What should I do? Mom, what do you think I should do? And mom was smart enough to be like, go invest, buy some properties. And uh, it's like five years later, he's now got seven invest, seven properties, you know, multiple e-commerce businesses. Doesn't have to work because he's got enough cash flow coming in from all of the properties. You know, he's like 30. And I think that's wow, that's incredible. amazing. I do want to say one thing though. I mean, like eight, five to seven years, man. And and this this might be a myth, so please bust it. But like, what if I don't have five years? I mean, I'm 25, and what if I don't want to be in Vegas? You know, you know, in three years, I want to move somewhere else. I mean, like, is homeownership still the right move for me, or how does that work? Yeah, in five years, that's fine. You just buy the home, you pay down the principal, you get inflation, appreciation, hopefully. And after five years, if you want to sell it, you cash out of your equity. You sell the property and then, and, and that's, and then you move to San Diego or wherever you're going to move to, and you take that equity with you. Or you keep the property. You hire a property manager, they manage it for you, and then you make your 100 200 bucks every month for whatever you're going to profit. And then the goal isn't that hundred or $200 a month. That's not the goal. The right. goal is long-term. You hold that sucker for 10 years, 20 years. You pay it down faster by making bi-weekly payments, meaning payments every 
two weeks instead of every month to the bank. Nice. By doing that, you save seven years off your 30 year mortgage. So instead of paying it off in 30 years, you pay it off in 23. Does and it only because of the interest? Was that? Does it? I don't know anything about real estate yeah. expert here, but does it become cheaper because I'm paying down the interest faster? Oh yeah, yeah. So basically, you pay it off in 23 years over seven years, you'll probably save yourself six figures in interest wow. depending on on the loan balance. Um, and the, the only difference you're instead of making your $1,200 a month payment, you do $600 payments every two weeks. That's it. You just cut it in half. It's crazy how it works. So. So anyhow, because you're just paying it down faster. So faster. Okay. Yeah. And it adds up to one extra payment a year by doing it that that way. So, so, so long story short, the goal, even if you're young, buy real estate because, uh, you know, I get, I get that from VA members, uh, meaning military members. Mm -hmm. I get that from younger people too, that say, Hey, I'm not going to be here for a long time. I might get transferred. I'm just going to rent. Okay. The, the military members that have bought properties with me and they get transferred literally like three months after they buy, 12 months after they buy, we rent it out for them. I mean, I have one couple right now that I remember they bought a house for me in 2014. They moved away. They're living, they went to Europe and then Hawaii, um, living abroad, you know, working abroad. And that property that they bought probably for like 350 is probably worth about 550 right now. So they just made 200,000 plus all the rent every single month that we're sending them, we're cutting them a check, you know? So um, that's pretty nice. And they can sell it at any point. They're not obligated to keep it, but it's been a really good investment for them. It sounds like a really great investment. They made $200,000 in six years without, you know, having to do anything. Do nothing. Well, this is the beauty about VA or military. They put zero down. So they didn't put nothing out of their pocket. All they had to do was say, I want to buy a house. I'm a military member. I qualify for a zero down loan. Let me sign on this paper. That's all they had to do was just basically sign for a house. And then that got them $200,000 in their pocket. And, 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 now, and now they've got a nest egg that they can pass on to their children. That's already going to be worth like half a million and so on. Yeah. I mean, compared to, and they're young. They're, they're probably like in their mid thirties. So compared to if you want to make money anywhere else, the stock market, for example, to make 200 grand, you might have had to start off with 50,000, 100,000 at least. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, this yeah, is like yeah. the only business. Go ahead. No, so uh, you don't get this kind of appreciation in the stock market. A company doesn't naturally just grow in value. Like they have to work aggressively to get that appreciation. But, but, but really, with real estate, because our population continues to grow and really, and it's hard to build a home, like the prices historically continue to go up. And I, I think, I don't know what it's like in Cali, but I think in Vegas, we're seeing like 20% year over year appreciation, which is massive. That's crazy. Well, before we get into that, just, just to touch on that stock market real estate com- yeah. uh, comparison. With the stock market, I guess my point was you needed money to invest to start to make money. With real estate, you can literally buy with zero down. So there's no money involved. And then like my clients, they put zero down yeah. and they made 200. In stock market or any other investment, you can't do that. You need money to invest to grow that money. Um, uh, going over to, to the next point, appreciation. Um, San Diego, you know, 20%. Vegas is different, obviously. Um, whenever you're in a, in a lower-priced area, there's more potential for it to grow. But with San Diego, last year, the average 
home was selling for 700,000, okay? 2019, fast forward 2020 today, average sales price of a home is 832. Wow. So that means that the average person would have bought for 700 and then this year their property's worth $132,000 more. So they could basically tap into that equity. 10% appreciation. And here's the thing, and I didn't wrap my head around it in the beginning, so I just want to like nail it in a little bit more, is um, they took a loan out for whatever the 700 is plus interest, right? And so they have this loan that they're paying down, but the house is not valued anymore at 700,000. So technically they can go sell the home, maybe 830 or whatever. And are you telling me they would essentially, after they pay down their debt, keep their equity, just they'll walk away with, whatever that is, 50K, 70K appreciation, just off the top of that transaction? So, yeah, so if, if the home last year they bought for 700, they sell it today for 832 minus closing costs, they'll walk away for $100,000 in the pocket, ballpark. Right. And, 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 and they could have done this, you know, maybe they weren't a veteran, but they could have still participated in some other program to get yeah. low down payment. Exactly, there's plenty of programs for low down payment. And, so, you know, so not, somebody could walk in, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, let's say they would have to do a down payment program and everything else, check the box. And let's say it was 2000 or $2,500 down, you know, maybe, maybe that's a little low. And let's just call, even if it was $7,000 down, you're telling me $7,000 down could have turned into a $80,000 return on their investment or a hundred thousand dollar return on their investment in a year. In a year. Yeah. So the yeah, why is it everybody doing this? Why, you know, and, and, I have my own answer, but what, what's your answer? Why isn't it more mainstream? Um, well, fear, you know, fear is one. Um, I think a lot of people do want to buy, but they're just fear, they're, they're paralyzed by it, so they don't go and educate themselves. Um, and even if they are educated, I know a lot of educated people, they're like, I mean, I have, I have a, a family member, really smart, man, I'm talking about educated, like speaks several languages, this dude's smart, he got, burnt in 2008 or nine, whenever the market tanked and everything crashed, he lost money. So since then he's been paralyzed by fear and he hasn't made any moves because yeah. it's a scary fuck. Like to him, he's just still scared, you know, like he just went through something dramatic and, and it's like, Hey, why are you still renting? Oh, I'm not doing that mistake again. So right. yeah, some people got burnt and, and their parents got burnt. And I talk to people all the time. They're like, Hey, I don't want that type of loan from 2008. I go, no, they don't, they don't make those type of loans anymore. Lending. That, that was that? subprime lending, right? That was pretty much like yeah. predatory lending where interest rate was going to continue going up, never get out of your home. Be under exactly. Yeah. So a lot of people are still have that stigma, but they don't have those type. They don't give out those type of loans to first time buyers anymore. I, it's, okay. The first time buyers. So, I mean, a certain extent it was kind of made illegal or, or something like that happened to the subprime lending world. Yeah. They just basically, and in, in that world, institutions, the way it works is like, if you get a loan through Wells Fargo or another bank, they usually sell it on the secondary market and, and someone else buys it as an investment, as a cash flow investment. And what happened was with those type of loans that are giving out, people stop buying them, institutions stop buying them, banks stop buying them. So they're like, we don't want it. So if there's not a market for it, no one's going to be giving that type of loan out. Okay. 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 All right. But that, Okay, well, moving on to a, a little bit of a different um, topic. Um, sorry, I'm going to edit this piece out. I, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take your time, man. It's all good. 
Yeah, I wanted to. <clears throat> okay, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I, I had a question and, and, and I just needed to recollect my thoughts. My question yeah. was, so Voltaire, I mean, what are some common mistakes that people are making that put them in that position, you know, where they end up in a house that didn't work out for them? I mean, are there some common mistakes you can call out so people don't make them? Oh, good question. Um, you know what, with all the mistakes uh, in regards to real estate where people are getting hurt, that was like with all the subprime stuff. But I would say this, you know, I haven't seen people get hurt in the last 10 years in real estate. Okay. Um, for like first time buyers, which is great, amazing news. Yeah. Um, however, there are some things that potentially that you could work on or avoid in order to put yourself in a better position. So the first one is get the hell out of debt. You shouldn't have any debt. So one big mistake that I see people <laughs> make all the time, time and time again, is they have $30,000 in the bank and they got a $25,000 credit card or a $10,000 credit card. And they come to me and they go, hey, I saved up 30,000. Let me pat myself on my back. You know, okay, great. So you don't have any debt. No, I do have debt. I have a $10,000 credit card. Why? Well, because, you know, I want to have money in case of an emergency or money for my down payment. But you're paying how much percent on that credit card? Well, I'm paying 18%. Eight, that's killing them, right. you know? So what they could easily do is if they have 30,000 here, $18,000 or $10,000 credit card here, all they have to do is transfer 10,000 of this money over here, eliminate that. Now they're saving 1800 bucks a year in interest from the credit card. Um, and they go and, and use what they have remaining, which is 20 grand as a down payment. That's more than enough. And they're borrowing money at two and a half percent for um, on a mortgage so they go from borrowing their own money that's what you're doing when you hold debt you have ten uh, ten thousand dollar credit card you're borrowing your own money at 18 percent. that's crazy no pay down and then you buy a mortgage and you get the mortgage at two and a half percent so it's like all these small little concepts of you know percentages you know interest debt you know uh, that people don't understand. And I see that all the time. So if you have cash and you have debt, use that freaking cash. Cause I hear the same thing from everybody in case of emergency, what emergency are you going to have where they don't accept credit? You know, like unless you get kidnapped, it's like, okay, that's an emergency. You know, you need cash, you know, but come on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. And that also ties into like credit utilization, right? Like since they paid down that, now they have a better debt income ratio, they might qualify for a better loan in the first place. Yeah, well, now they're saving money when they have zero debt. Why? Because their FICO score jumps up. Right. So if you're maxed out on credit cards or you have your high uh, uh, debt amount on credit cards, your FICO score is low because you're a risk to the bank. But if you, if, if you pay down your debt to zero, you're no longer a risk to, to the bank, your FICO score shoots up. And then now, instead of borrowing on a mortgage at 3%, because you have too much debt, now you're borrowing at two and a half percent. So you're saving money. That's awesome, man. I mean, the numbers, you know, all of the financial lingo doesn't always uh, stick, but I think, um, you know, not, not the first time. It doesn't always stick the first time, but hearing it oh, over, yeah. over again definitely helps. Um, 
Would you, I mean, like I've heard debates, right? I've heard debates of like uh, good credit versus bad credit. I think Robert Kiyosaki talks about that. I mean, do you have any opinions on that? Do you think all credit is bad or is there a world where you kind of leverage it to grow? Oh, you're talking about like debt, good bet. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, uh, correct. Yeah, I think, um, so this is it, this is the thing. Debt, you don't want to have, period. Like, let's say if, if in a perfect world, you don't want to have any debt. Why? Because, uh, what, what's that term that, that they say is uh, the the lender's always a master to the borrower, right? Right. So if you don't have any masters, you don't have to worry about nothing, right? Because you're debt free, you own your property, debt free, not this, that. But in order to make money, okay, if, if you're looking at making money, retiring, making investment, most of us are going to have to use debt. And the good debt is mortgages. You mortgage it. So, so going back to that same stock example versus making money in stocks and making money in real estate, with real estate, you need, you can leverage you put 3% down, someone gives you a 97% mortgage. In the stock market, if you want to buy stocks, you need to put that, if you put 3% down, you only get 3% worth of stocks. You don't get 100% worth of stocks. So in that way, you can leverage your way into your first home, wait for time to do the rest, you know, wait seven years to 10 years. You have equity in your home and then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. So most people, have to use debt to do that now bad debt yes credit cards all, all that's bs now if you want to be a real estate master and you get to a point like i have a couple buddies they don't use any debt what did it uh, they, they, they just buy cash okay. you know so they flip they flip they flip their money flip it flip it and then eventually they pay off their debt they live debt free and then they just buy properties cash, right? But that's like, you have to be a real estate master term, you know, hence the term master. So most of us have to get to the, you know, you have to work your way up, but you, you start off with debt. And then eventually, if you want to pay it off, you can do that. But if you want to keep paying the monopoly game, right? and you want more and more properties and more and more cash flow, there's nothing wrong with mortgage debt if right. you use it properly you know yeah, don't exactly. overextend yourself property I, I mean like you know because there's disadvantages to like over leveraging yourself you know you know you cut you know we never saw covid coming and so many folks came out of not being able to pay rent and if you didn't have the 12-month runway across your six properties it might be a difficult situation but i imagine that goes into just being a seasoned investor to make those decisions yeah it's, it's just like anything man it's like if you want to have a good time at a at a quinceanera it's okay to have a couple beers you know but don't get fucking trashed, you know? <laughs> so, 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 so it's like, you're, you're like, you're, you're, you're just basically keeping yourself in check. You're, you're like, you're not going past a certain point where you're all of a sudden you're like, make a fool out of yourself, but you have your two beers, you have a good time, you know? So same thing with debt. It's like, use it, but use it wisely. Right. Yeah. Use it to get home safely. And then when you're yeah. safe, then you can start doing whatever you want. Exactly. Uh, what one thing you know talking to all these real estate entrepreneurs agents you know homeowners that has inspired me is um that first step in home ownership after they've like cracked that and okay now i'm a homeowner i'm building up some equity it seems to me like almost everybody that i've spoken to that have like gone through you know and didn't lose everything but like you know kind of went even even if it took a long time it was slow went from 
homeowner to real estate investor. You know, went from that one property and eventually got that second property. I mean, like, are there, I mean, some uh, obvious, there's some obvious benefits for like why, you know, every, everybody does, why everybody should do it. And, I mean. Yeah. So, I mean, th this is the easiest thing. If you want to become a real estate investor, the easiest trick is you, you buy your first home first. Your first home should be, in my opinion, a fourplex or a triplex or a duplex. Why? Because you live in one and then you have renters paying the rest of your mortgage and, and you keep your, your portion, your responsibility very, very low. So it's almost cheaper than rent. Okay. Yeah. I, I did that with a property, a triplex. I went from uh, renting for 1300 bucks, which is super cheap in San Diego, by the way, to all of a sudden I bought three units. I had two tenants pay most of the mortgage and my responsibility was 900 bucks. That's okay. awesome. So, so I had some cash flow too on top of that. Um, no. So basically I have my, cause I, you know, I live in one. So the, my responsibility after that rent coming in. Oh, okay, okay. Hey, what's up? Give me a quick second. Okay. Yeah. yeah Can we pause this real quick? I'll be yeah. right back. Give me yeah. a second. Okay. Was that another uh, winner? What's that? Oh no, 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 no. They, uh, they came to pick up some marketing pieces. Um, okay. So going back to that example, I guess we could just pick up with the, with the, okay. So basically I bought a, a triplex. Okay. I live in one of the units. The other two units pay a majority of my rent. Yeah. I mean my mortgage. How, so how my response. When you're doing this, if you don't mind. Yeah. What was that? How old were you or like how early in your career? Oh, you so, so this was in my first one. So I bought, I mean, I've been buying properties for 15 years now. Okay. So I made the mistake where my first one wasn't a fourplex. Was it a, like a, you know, maybe a little it, bit. It was, a, it was a house. It was a house. It, it was a house. Okay. It was a house and I put 20, 20% down. Okay. So the mistake that I made in my career was I didn't utilize my first time buyer primary residence loan. Um, my entire career up until this year. So it's almost like somebody giving you a gift and you don't unwrap it <laughs> and you never yeah. use it. Yeah. So the, the beauty, okay, this is, this is a, a, a very good, you know, I guess golden nugget or tip is that you can use your primary residence loan every two years. What does that mean? That means that you can buy a home every two years with a low down payment, 3% or 3.5% or if you're VA, zero down. Okay, so every two years you can move into a different house, which is freaking crazy. It's a gift right? Come, come, but you have to live in it. You, that, that's the own. If you're a flipper, that could be genius, right? Like you buy a house, you yeah. raise depreciation, you find the next one to buy and you kind of fix it. I mean, if the loan applies to that. Yeah. You don't have to fix it. I mean, you could just live in it. So, but I guess my point is you buy it with 3% down. So the first home that I bought, I bought it with 20% down. Why? Because it's an investment property. I'm not going to live there. It's that's what investors have to do. They buy, right now I'm buying a fourplex. Uh, I'm putting 30% down, 30% on a million bucks. That's $300,000 down. Compared to if a first time buyer bought that fourplex, how much are they putting down? They're putting $35,000 down. Right. 10 times less. That's a lot of money saved. That's a lot of money okay. saved. In your case, I just want to hit this point too. You know, you're benefiting from paying down the interest rate ahead of time. So you're also saving money. That's, so you're in that. 
pay more down. To that, but then I'm out of capital. Right. You know, right. The, the more 30% downs, yeah. You're, you, you, plus, as, as an investor, my rate is way higher. Mm-hmm. And the money's more expensive than a first-time buyer. As a first-time buyer, okay. you know, I got, I got a rate on this triplex, I got a rate of 2.25% on the primary residence, 2.25% 30 years. On the fourplex that I'm buying as an investment, that's, I'm going to get like a 3.75. Yeah. No, that's no, a I, huge I, difference. It is a huge difference. And also the cash that you put in that investment property, you know, is a cost. You could have invested in different ways. Somewhere know? else. Yeah. So I guess my point is, if you buy, the tip is, if you buy a primary residence, you get a very low down payment, you get an excellent interest rate, and you can do that every two years. So me... As a professional real estate investor, I'm buying stuff with 20, 25% down, 30% down. And I finally took advantage. I finally took advantage of the gift of buying a property with three and a half percent down just this year. And I went from, I went from my, my, my living situation. I was paying 1300 bucks a month. Now I'm paying 900 bucks a month. And guess what I'm going to do from uh, two years from now? Buy another one. Buy another one with three and a half percent down. So I'm going to move out of the place right now that I'm paying 900 bucks responsibility, rent it out to someone that's going to pay me $1,800 a month. So now I'm profiting 900 bucks. Okay. And now I'm going to buy another property with three and a half percent down. So if you're a first time buyer out there, do yourself a favor, buy yourself multi-units, your first property mm-hmm. with primary residence financing, and then do it every two years. And guess what? Some people might not want to move every two years. That's fine every five years, whatever you want to do, but take advantage of that. That's something that I didn't take advantage of early on in my career. That's a, that's a major, uh, major golden nugget right there, man. I mean, uh, and I'm just imagining now that as you said it, like if you did it, you know, five times or eight times over the 18 years in your career, how much more, you know, equity, how much more properties. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've fucked up, you know, but it happened. Oh, you did it. Oh, you did it, man. You're just sharing the golden nuggets so that like when I go buy my first property, the folks that are listening, you know, we look at those other options, the duplex, the fourplex. And also I didn't know that the first time home buyer loan um, worked multiple times. I thought it was like only one time in your life. Do you get this? But you can actually be eligible multiple times. And I didn't know that. I thought, I assumed you had to sell your existing residence to buy your next primary residence. And so that is also another myth. Like you don't need to, you could, you don't need to, as long as your income supports the, the other purchase, the next purchase. So the way it works is if you own your first property and then you go and buy your second property, primary residence, so you move out of your first into your second, the bank's going to say, Hey, your first property, do you have a tenant there? How much is the tenant going to pay you? And let's say the tenant's going to pay you a thousand bucks a month. The bank says, okay, we'll give you a credit. Well, instead of crediting you $1,000 towards your income to qualify towards your next property, we're going to take into account that that tenant might not pay you, that tenant might, you know, move out. So we're only going to give you 75% value on that $1,000 rent. So now your income goes up by 750 bucks to help you qualify for the next purchase. And if that's enough to buy the next home, then you got to keep both houses. And then... You do that again, you keep three houses and four houses. Um, some people don't qualify because their income's too low, so then they have to sell their first one, take out the equity, and then buy their second house, which is okay, too. But the first example is like, that's where you can really rake in the money. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and did I understand a piece of this in that, like, um, if you had the tenant, 
because that property, the way I'm understanding it is like you have a debt income ratio that's kind of determining whether or not you qualify for the loan. And so because you have this mortgage that's applying to your debt. And so what you're telling me is I have a thousand dollar mortgage debt, uh, but because I have a tenant, or maybe my mortgage is less, but let's no, no. For simplicity. You right? have a thousand dollar rent. You have a thousand dollar rent from mortgage the, 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 the tenant. Yeah. It, it could be lower or higher. I don't know, but okay. they, they give you credit based on what the tenant rent is going to be. They give you 75% of that to use towards your income. Okay. And then, and at that point you have your income and then they figure out what your debt is, whatever your mm -hmm. debt is on both properties and your income. And then if you qualify, you qualify. Awesome. Man. Yeah, that, that's definitely some pro tips. So I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, every, every uh, real estate expert I've spoken to and I asked them, you know, kind of along the questions, these questions, it's like, you know, I haven't bought my first house, you know, what should it be? And, you know, every answer from like the seasoned investors has been go buy a duplex or a fourplex, live in one, rent out the rest and just do that. And that, you know, I live in an apartment right now, so I don't imagine it being that, that much different. Yeah, the only difference is your payment, your monthly obligation is going to go down. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Terry, man, this was an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for all of the golden nuggets. I wish we were able to get it to more, but this was also a lot. Uh, are there any like last minute legendary tips you might want to share for the folks listening? I'm be just like, uh, like Nike and just tell you just to go do it, man. You know, just get over it, get over that fear, get over that hump, um, do it. You know, I, I think the best thing you could do is go meet somebody who already done it or has it. And then you realize that, they're not much smarter than you and, or you might be smarter than them. And then that's when you realize like, Oh shit, if this dude could do it, I could do it. So go meet somebody that's done it, get motivated and, and make it happen. That's awesome, man. Dude, thank you so much. And you know what, an opportunity to plug yourself. I mean, how can folks get in touch with you? You know, maybe they're in the California area they want to work with you or anything like that. Yeah. You know, if you, if you, uh, want to buy some real estate, sell some real estate, whatever you need, any questions, reach out to me. Uh, you can reach me at 619-852-2222, or you can follow us on uh, IG, DM us there. Uh, my handle is vlepe33 or uh, lepe underscore tendwell. That's the name of the company. And uh, yeah, I'll be glad and happy to help. Walter, thank you again. All right, for sure. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have tremendous gratitude for our guests and you listening now for joining our mission of democratizing real estate education around the world. If you want to learn more from our experts, our mission, and get involved, then please visit realestateexperts.org to get started. Who knows, you might even be a guest on a future episode. 